I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Leah, and my friend, Rivka. And this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you, sleepyhead? <laughs> I'm doing You were yawning over there as I did my little introduction. Yep, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> How come you're tired? Because I have to wake up earlier now that I'm a missionary, and I have yet to start falling asleep earlier. So I've just been getting less and less sleep <laughs> because I've tried to readjust when I wake up. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you'll be tired enough that you'll just yeah. go to sleep on time. I hear a lot of missionaries tell me that this is that their mission is the most tired they've ever been. Really? Um, yep. Well, just because they're... Although I heard that a lot less after COVID. But for a lot of the pre-COVID, and maybe that's because they're, they're out less, you know, just on video chat or whatever. But... If you're out, you know, walking, biking, whatever, for yeah. miles and miles a day, um, and just busy from sunup to sundown, I I hear a lot of missionaries say that. And um, with absolutely zero compassion, I always say, "Oh, wait till you're a parent." <laughs> <laughs> True. Till you have three kids born, and <sighs> then come see me about being tired. <laughs> I've never had three kids born, and their uh, our third kid was born when you were seven. Yeah. But um, Lawson didn't sleep more than two hours straight for roughly seven months. And I was on surgery and OBGYN and other terrible rotations during that time. So (laughs) um, I was pretty tired. And uh, I feel for those people like my dad, when he was a medical resident, he would work 36 hours on, 12 hours off um, for like a whole month at a time. I can't even imagine that level of tiredness. So Horrible. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> that was a tangent. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's been a mere one day since conference um, mm-hmm. ended. We're recording this on Monday, so it'll post on Sunday. Um, what invitation from conference have you been working on? <laughs> I have been working on the invitation to trust God. Good. How so? <laughs> um, shifting my mindset. Can you elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> like... Instead of thinking, I really need to learn the language, which I do, I I will think things like, I'm going to pray for help to learn the language. Yeah. Things like that. Involving God more in the process. Yeah. There was a talk. I don't remember who gave it. It it reminded me a little bit of Elder Eyring's talk where he said, you know, don't, don't pray for yourself, pray for miracles. Oh, yeah. And I thought of that as we were listening, you know, instead of praying... Um, yeah, I'll have to work that one through a little bit more as a missionary. Like you obviously want to learn the language, but maybe your prayers are, you know, please bless me that I can communicate the gospel effectively Mm -hmm. or something like that instead of, you know, let me learn how to, um, conjugate the word to do or whatever. (laughs) So, um, although that not, that's not a selfish prayer, but just sort of shifting your focus to why am I trying to get the Lord to help me so I can help others. So Mm -hmm. 
Rivka, any good invitations you've been thinking about from conference this weekend? The one that stuck out to me most as I was listening that I need to work on. Well, this is what I wrote down. I want to be a more dedicated disciple. This is a deep call for me, this conference. So I need to pray Mm. to know how specifically to do that. And kind of hand in hand with that, another, another message that was for me from this conference was the line upon line, precept on precept, 1%, um, don't run faster than you, right. than you have energy because that is, for me, a weakness. That is um, something that I am inclined to do. Yes. And so um, my goal, and I hope what I continue to come back and report on is is the little like this, the steps or the small things that I am working on to help shape me into a better disciple yeah. of Jesus Christ. Awesome. That is a great one. Um, I should stop asking you because every time I do and you give these amazing answers, I think like my answers are terrible and I'm just not Whatever. doing enough <laughs> because That's I was going to... <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to read the mental health section of the at Gospel Library app. Hey, that's a good one. Okay. But did you hear Rook me just like, say I'm... how I'm like way an overachiever? So, of course, I like these broad grand designs. And I love that you two are just like, here's the like detailed one thing. I'm just working on this one thing because I'm like, I'm just working on these 45 things. That's uh, I know, but you're like... I'm going to refine my soul into a pure disciple. And I'm like, I'm going to read the gospel library app. <laughs> We're saying the same thing. We're saying uh, the same thing. We are. I've always been a really concrete thinker, um, like probably to my detriment sometimes. So it's so much easier for me to focus on like one specific item and, and just do that one yeah. thing. So. I think that's great. I There are like, visionaries and then there are planners like i don't know if, do you yeah. know who simon Sinek is he talks about this all the time in business right like you have the visionary and then you have the doer and i am definitely the visionary and like the the doing and the details and stuff are much more difficult for me yes so, hmm. yep that's interesting because i'm not a detail-oriented person i'm just concrete yeah. does that make sense so yes um you know like we'll be in ward council and someone will say like oh, you know, I've just been really feeling like we need to reach out to the less actives or something. And I'm like, okay, but how? Like, what do we do? Or here's a better example from my personal life. Deanna and I try to work on our marriage and she has a degree in psychology. So we sort of like to use some social science resources and we listen to, um, you know, lectures or podcasts or, uh, you know, we've bought a few classes online, things like that. And, um, and we've been listening to one lately and this person has like this incredible um, way of framing things and talking and just like this, you can tell has spent so much time thinking about it and working with couples. And, but at the end I'm always like, and therefore what, like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, like, am I just supposed to do, do the dishes and that'll help things? Or, you know, like I, I, I need something f- like, tangible to to hang on to after that. So I'm like, I'm going to read the Gospel Library app about mental health, and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's perfect. That We need all the people. We need the yes. people who see the big picture, and we need to see the people who see the, we need the people who see the, the to-do list or the enacting part of it. Yeah, that is absolutely true. <laughs> so, well, um, that, and that's why we do councils. So, right. 
there was actually, I, I know we're already way far in and I should stop going on tangents, but another cool thing I found on the church news this weekend. So I, the way I find all these things is I downloaded the app and enabled notifications. So now they're just feeding cool things to me. <laughs> so during conference, it feed, it feeded the fed me this um, documentary on how councils work in the in church headquarters. And it was 22 minutes long and it was all about, you know, how councils operate in church headquarters. And it was totally awesome. And I thought everyone in a ward council should watch this documentary. It was really cool. And I don't know that I ever would have seen it because I don't just like stalk the church webpage, the church news webpage without that notification. So go Google it and uh, take a look. It was awesome. So, all right. That's enough of me talking. My tangent over. Tangent over. Oh, my, my new goal is to let... Um, I already mentioned this two podcasts ago. I'm going to let Ribka talk more. That's my new goal. <laughs> Don't do that. We need the so, balance. <laughs> so today we're going to discuss the talk, The Great Possession by Elder Holland. Greatest. Greatest possession. Thank you, Aaliyah. What would I do without you? <laughs> um, so this was a fantastic talk, and I think I got even more from it the second time through. The first time maybe didn't hit as hard as I think um, – Maybe I wasn't giving it quite the attention I it deserved. So, Ali, what was the fundamental doctrine being taught here? Uh, the fundamental doctrine was that there are things in life greater than um, possessions that you have. And the, really, we should all make our first priority our loyalty to uh, God and his kingdom. And everything else can fall out the wayside if need be. Okay, awesome. Any specific quotes that really hammered that point home for you or re- were really impactful? Um, one, this is a paraphrase. I don't know what the exact quote was, but it was something along the lines of that um, no man at the plow who is looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so um, I thought that was really cool. Awesome. How has that been a part of your life? Um, if, if you're talking about you know making the kingdom of God a priority, how does that play out in your life? Give me something tangible to hold on to. <laughs> um, I think in the times where I have spent, so like one example is there was a period of time where I uh, wrote down every spiritual prompting I got during the day. And I think during that time I received the most promptings that I've ever received during one uh, I guess time period of my life. So, uh, that's, that's one thing that like by putting that as a priority, I got, it was maximized. It was magnified. I got more than, uh, what I was expecting. That is completely awesome. And something I never would have thought about in the context of this talk that putting the kingdom of God first, you, the way you did that was to just write down your promptings. That's really cool. So it, whatever came to your mind automatically because it was from the Lord became the most important thing in that moment. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. Um, Rivka, did you have any other different take on the fundamental doctrine being taught here or any, any quote that stood out to you that really underscored the fundamental doctrine? No, I, I agree with the, that fundamental doctrine. Um, he starts out telling the story of the rich young man and you know, who he asked because he'd been living the gospel. He wasn't just asking it out of nowhere. And he's like, what's the next thing? And the Lord yeah. tells him, this is the next thing. And that was, that was 
the line for the the rich young man, at least at that point in his journey. Um, and and President President Elder Holland said, um, "God wants our wholehearted, unreserved devotion to divine responsibility." With or without riches, each of us is to come to Christ with the same uncompromised commitment to his gospel that was expected of this young man. In the vernacular of today's youth, we are to declare ourselves all in. So I love that quote. And it's interesting uh, doing a deeper study of this without the text because there's no formatting. Right. So yes. I don't know how he formatted this talk or what his subheadings or subsections were. But for me, with that as the underlying principle, um, I heard it broken up into a few different things that we uh, there's divine help for us um, whenever we feel like it's time for us to make a change in our behavior. And then he talks about God gave Saul another heart. So he, uh, you know, Ezekiel calls him on ancient Israel to make a new heart and a new mm-hmm. spirit. Alma calls for a mighty change. It would cause the soul to expand. Jesus taught that we have to be born again. So um, with all with all these divine abilities or responsibilities or the things that he, I think the intention here is that there are things that we need to sacrifice and there are things that we love and maybe that we've worked for that are good, even better, like, like Aaliyah brought up in a couple podcasts ago, the good and the better, um, but that are going, that are being or are going to be required of us to sacrifice. So one of them's the heart. And then he has this whole section where he talks about um, there's more than enough hostility to go around and maybe the sacrificing of, of pride or ideas. He says old distinctions, limiting labels, artificial divisions, those are things that I think we all have that we need to work on giving up. And then the idea of, of the love of loving God being the first great commandment. And that if we do that, then he helps us to do the second. So there's like, it kind of, for me, I heard him break this idea down into different sorts of things that we might need to, that we do need to look into our, own hearts and our own souls and say, what is it that I'm clinging to that is keeping me from wholeheartedly, unreservedly devoting myself to, to my father in heaven. Okay. Thank you, Revka, for that breakdown. It is interesting not to have the formatting and to sort of listen to it instead of read it and sort of try to figure out how they meant to um, put it out there. And it reminds me of, you know, the scriptures were formatted after the fact where they were broken down into verses and there are study versions of the scriptures where it's, you know, formatted backwards into paragraphs and um, just, or big lump sums of text. And you have to sort of put those things in there yourself. I also think that um, he took sort of an interesting path here going from, um, you know, fully devoting ourselves to the Lord to different parts of that you know we can um you know be forgiven and about that and we'll come back to that and and then we can forgive others and really breaking down you know any differences we have with people i think probably my favorite quote in terms of the fundamental doctrine being taught here um, was the one where he said when difficult things are asked of us even things contrary to the longings of our heart 
Remember that the loyalty we pledge to the cause of Christ is to be the supreme devotion of our lives. So um, we like to talk about how to apply things here. So has there ever been a time in your life where you've had to go against something that is the longing of your heart to keep your loyalty to the cause of Christ? What do you think, Aaliyah? Um, Right now. <laughs> okay. Can you elaborate? <laughs> As a missionary, I'm putting the cause of Christ first, but I'm also giving up uh, a lot of stuff by leaving everything behind and serving the Lord for 18 months. Yeah. What kinds of things are, are hard to leave behind? Um, it's hard to leave friends and school opportunities and uh, talents and hobbies and um, my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And school is kind of a comfort zone for you. You're, yeah, you're pretty, I like school. You're good at it. You like it. You made really good friends there. You had a lot of fun. So, yeah. So how do you think the Lord, um, what's your interaction with the Lord when you're doing something like that? Putting him first. Um, and I mean that not generally. I mean that personally. Like what's your personal experience been as you've chosen to serve a mission? I think it's a lot of him telling me that what I'm doing is good and that I'll get help and happiness along the way. You just quoted Elder Holland. I don't know if you meant to. I did not mean to. (laughs) (laughs) You keep walking. You keep going. There (laughs) is help and happiness Did he actually say that? He did. (laughs) Yeah, that was the one we did just a few podcasts ago. Yeah. And, and such a powerful one. And during that podcast, I asked you, you know, you're, you're the young Elder Holland looking forward, you yep. know, so whether you intended to or not, <laughs> it stuck with you. Yep. So there is help and happiness ahead. Um, Rivka, how about you? Is there anything that you've had to um, do to keep your loyalty to the cause of Christ that goes against the longings of your heart? <laughs> well, yeah, mine sort of involved a school thing too. I was actively pursuing a college degree at um, BYU-Idaho and was <laughs> in the computer lab back in the olden days when we all didn't have our own computers. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> I was in the computer lab working on a paper. Um, and I had been down, I was dating someone who's down at BYU-Provo at the time. And so I, that weekend before I had been down there and had seen a school that was like a, a medical technical trade school. Uh, and we had like, we'd had this, I, I don't even remember the conversation. All of us in the car noticed they must've had something on the billboard that drew the attention. Anyway, we had this like blip of a conversation and then I didn't think about it again. But as I was sitting there uh, about a week later in the computer lab, the spirit very distinctly said, you need to withdraw from the university and you need to go do this program down in Provo. <laughs> that mm. was like, uh, that does not sound like a spiritual prompting. <laughs> Nobody gets the prompting to drop out of the university education. Like that's crazy. Um, so I, I dedicatedly tried not to think about that for <laughs> oh, a, a, a difficult 24 hours um, as the spirit just 
as it sometimes does, persistently reaches out. And I thought, this isn't what I want to do. I had plans. For me, there was some pride involved in that um, because, you know, it was a trade school and it wasn't a university. And Rivka now knows that that is, is not, but there's, there's no distinction of value there for building a life. But yeah, 20, right. 20 year old Rivka was like, excuse me, I'm not going to do that. Um, but as that following week progressed and I, and I prayed and I wrestled with the Lord about this, partly my pride, partly it was not the plans that I had. Partly the university education was paid for and I would have to take out loans to do this technical trade school. Um, and I was relatively certain it would not make my father happy. So I had a lot of what I felt were good reasons not to be doing this thing. It was going to make life more difficult. Um, and so I I prayed and then I went and counseled with uh, a good a good friend and mentor who was a professor at the university and I counseled with my mom and, and decided I needed to do this. The spirit was very insistent about it. And uh, so I made the decision. I applied, I got in at that point. I told my dad, I I dealt with some disappointment. (laughs) I dealt with the finances. Um, uh, He, he, he came around and was supportive by the way, not trying to throw him under the bus, but, um, and, and I went down to do that technical program and I didn't know why (laughs) I didn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do. What I know at this end of the story is that, um, it was during the internship I did after I did the program that I met my husband there was about a six to eight week window where we could have met as we were there. He was um, working in the hospital in the opera. I trained as a surgical assistant and he was working in the operating room as an orderly had been accepted to medical school in Virginia, which was on the other side of the country from Utah right. and uh, was leaving in eight weeks. Um, wow. So we, yeah, we met, um, most of our courtship and dating and a good portion of our engagement was uh, long distance because I was still in Utah and then Idaho working. Um, but I met him and we married and we were in Charlottesville, Virginia for med school. And um, <laughs> it's a small college town. There weren't a lot of jobs, but the one job that was needed and that paid really well was a surgical assistant, which is exactly what I was trained to do. Um, so it was one of those things where the Lord clearly knew um, what I needed to do, and it was nowhere in my plans at all. But uh, listening, listening to those promptings, and allowing my ideas to be set aside for His ideas was it was indescribably better. You know, He yeah. He knew better than I did. Yeah. What a great story, Rivka. And both you and Aaliyah, those are big sort of major life changes and decisions. Mm -hmm. I think this applies to that. I think it also applies to our daily smaller life decisions. You know, maybe the longing of your heart is to um, 
you know, not read your scriptures every day or whatever, <laughs> something silly like that. Maybe it's to, um, you know, binge Netflix instead of uh, do your ministering or whatever the case may be, like the little things of the daily things or or not to show up for your calling, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's, of course, in the online, you know, 21st century era, there's all sorts of political and social things where um, the the church representing the Lord might have things that are contrary to the longings of your heart in their beliefs or in their positions and working through those things and trying to keep your loyalty to the cause of Christ as the su- supreme devotion of your life. So, well, Aaliyah, he, that's his foundation for the talk. And then he sort of draws a line from there to receiving help for us as well as, you know, um, feeling the love of God for ourselves and then feeling it for others. What other sort of parts of this talk stuck out to you as he went along um, going through these other sections? Um, He talked a lot about the love of God and how that's the key to happiness um, as individuals and as communities. Um, And he said the first great commandment is to love the Lord, um, you know, with all your heart, might, mind, and strength. But the first truth is that God loves us that way already. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, the love of God can help our distinctions and labels and artificial divisions kind of disappear and um, let us have peace as communities, just like uh, I think in third Nephi when, you know, they were no longer the ites, uh, they were just one people. Yeah. So maybe he's packaging here this part of it in a way that fits right with president Nelson's talk about searching for pure truth and for pure doctrine. And the truth is, you know, that God loves us in a way that's as pure and holy and all encompassing. And the doctrine that, um, you know, that changes behavior that extends from that is the way that we treat others around us. Um, whether they're, you know, to, to, to try to break down those tribes and those ites and those, uh, political differences and those other, you know, those other things. So I like that. Um, he talked about, he sort of gave a little mini prophecy in here and he said, all who speak in this conference will be saying, come unto the savior completely and wholeheartedly. And that's what he's saying here. And, you know, he applied it through our, our, the way we interact with others. Um, but I think, you know, um, the concept of these priorities and our devotion to the Lord above all other things really for me was one of the major themes of the whole conference. And I really felt that that, that came true throughout the whole rest of these, mm-hmm. the, the talks that we'll go over. Rivka, what was another quote that really stood out to you? Uh, let me see. I'm looking through here. Uh, I like, I love this one. He said, there is divine help for every one of us at any hour that we feel to make a change in our behavior. Um, yeah. And what I, yeah, what I loved about that so much is the reminder that it is not, it is never too late. There's never a, a line that we cross or a sin that we commit that keep, that prevents us from being able to turn back to him and receive his help. Right. I love it. And he paired that with saying that the Lord is exceptionally good at forgiving sins. 
Yeah. And um, I think that's something that's easy to forget sometimes. I think we are exceptionally bad at forgiving our own sins. (laughs) Um, Not all of us, but most of us. And so to hear that the Lord is really, really good at that. And the Doctrine and Covenants reminds us of that over and over. It feels like every other section, somebody is being forgiven for their sins. That's true. I think too, at the end of that little section that, that he's of this topic that he's speaking on, he says that change is one of the gifts of God to those who seek it. And I'd never heard it phrased exactly that way or considered it like this change of heart that comes is a gift that he gives us. And that right. makes it seem much less scary to ask for right? Like to seek out that it's not a burden to him to, to help us change. It's the gift. It's one of the gifts he wants to give us. Yep. Well, Aaliyah, did you find any invitations as you listen to this talk? Um, one that I saw was to ask yourself, um, is living a higher and holier life something you can do? Hmm. Mm. Can you expound on that, or was there a promise attached to that? Um, I didn't write down a promise attached to it. There might have been one, but I don't have anything written, so maybe there wasn't. Okay, so sort of finding one way that you can live a higher and holier way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I heard the part about contention and tribes and ites, mm-hmm. I thought about um, sometimes when we hear these talks, our mind easily goes to other people and we think, oh, that person really needs this talk or I hope that they were listening. And in a little bit of a subtle way here, he's saying, "Um, don't worry about them. Can you do this? Mm -hmm. And try to sort of turning that back on each of us. Yeah. So instead of saying like, oh, I wish my kids would stop fighting, (laughs) we think, well, how can I contribute to peace in our home? So, Rivka, did you find any invitations? Uh, yeah, at the end of the talk, he he says that the the young man in the story at the beginning of the talk, he said it was not wealthy enough to buy himself out of a rendezvous with these symbols. And he's referring to the th- crown of thorns and the cross that the Savior um, carried. He said, and neither are we. And that was a poignant thought for me. Because I think it goes along with this idea that there's something that we can do. Like yeah. if we're if we're good enough or if we if we you know don't try not to make any mistakes or we kind of go into this world of denial or we try to distract ourselves with it with good works or outward appearances so that we don't have to deal with what's happening inside. Um, of us. And I think that is a, a call out and an invitation. There, There's nothing that we can do. There are no service projects or, or ministering or good works that can, I, we need to do those things, but they are, we can't just count on those <laughs> to get us into heaven, that the work needs to be done in our hearts. Yeah. And that those things come out of the the genuine service that we do comes out of a change that happens in our hearts. That's it's those things should be a byproduct of what's happening inside rather than it, than a, I don't know, shield. 
you know? Right. Right. Um, um, so I like that he wasn't wealthy enough to buy himself out of a rendezvous with the savior and neither are we, um, blessedly so, you know, because those things, the, the facade does not bring happiness, but time spent with a savior, even if it's in uncomfortable foxholes of our hearts, (laughs) the time spent with the savior does bring joy and happiness. No atheists in foxholes, Rivka. That's the uh, well. I say that's the truth. Like I've ever even been in a real foxhole. I haven't, <laughs> but I believe that to be true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up our discussion of of Elder Holland's talk, and our next talk will be Sister Corden's talk. Come unto Christ and don't come alone. Um, our social media you can find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook all with Words of the Prophets podcast or actually just Words of the Prophets as our username and our email is Words of the Prophets podcast so thanks again to everybody for joining us today and until next time, keep the faith If we teach by the Spirit and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.